0: Hey, you're listening to Sit Down for Real, a new podcast for anyone interested in movies, especially the making of movies. I'm Mason Coyle, and each week I will be joined by various guests, including directors, actors, writers, people who will share their hands-on experience of the filmmaking process and discuss either the topic of the week or a movie review. If that sounds like something you're into, perfect. If not, stick with us anyway. We're not famous yet, but that doesn't mean we aren't entertaining. Sit Down for Real is made by a group of creatives collaborating across numerous projects in the hopes of turning our passions into careers. We hope this podcast will be a platform where we can cultivate our skills and share what we learn with you, our audience. If you ever have a comment, question, suggestion, or a nice review, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter, Gmail, Facebook at Sit Down for Real. That's real, R-E-E-L, like a film reel. It's a pun. You understand. Anyway, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Now, on with the show. Hello, all, and welcome to Sit Down for Real, where we talk movies from script to screen, high budget to no budget. Whether it's the film of the year or your first film ever, we're here to discuss the filmmaking process and the movies we love and sometimes hate. I'm your host, Mason Coyle, and my favorite thing now is making everybody else introduce themselves. So, why don't we go around the table? We got a few people here with us today. Of course. <laughs>
1: um, my name is Kevin Garner.
0: I'm Dylan. I'm Hannah. We're I'm- married. We're married. <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> I was going to say, like, our first couple, but that's not true, because you and Jenny were, um... On Parasite. On Parasite,
1: yeah. yeah so. um, like me and
0: Kevin have been on quite a few, so, <laughs> Yeah,
2: then um, Yeah. <laughs> that's a different thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so we're talking about The Invisible Man today, which we were just discussing as, like, the first movie we are able to review that is... Uh, that re- was released this year, so... That's impressive. <laughs> we're sad, however you want to look at it.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, too many things getting postponed and all that. But um, before we dive into it, I just want to tell all the uh, the audience that we are asking you to go onto Facebook, join our Facebook group, and on there you will find that we're, we have an open poll right now for the topic of a book versus film series that we're hoping to start. Uh, I think right now the book Stephen King's It. Is leading with like Harry Potter in second. It might have changed since I last checked, but um, uh, if you're interested in comparing or listening to us compare uh, written novels versus the movies that uh, came from them, go ahead and vote for that. Anybody see any new movies before we get into our topic? No, not me. Good. So I'll, I'll just I'll just say that I saw. Um, uh, the redo of Chucky was it uh, Child's Play mm-hmm. that came out last year, right? Mm-hmm. And I just uh, saw that for the first time, which goes well in a certain way for this episode and our next episode that we're going to do, which is on remakes, because it's uh, something that's been redone, and horror, which is exactly what The Invisible Man is. So <laughs> let's just dive into that, <laughs> where we have The Invisible Man, um, what was the original you said? It was 1940 or something? I can look at up. Um, yeah, it was... Black and white, I know that much. (laughs) Yeah, back uh, when Universal was getting started with all their little uh, movie monsters, uh, The Invisible Man. And let's just get into um, the new one. I'm not entirely sure where to start. Let's just say, what did you guys think of it?
1: I really, really liked it. I went in a little skeptical because I thought they gave away everything in the trailer. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not one of those people who, like, I can't watch the trailer or anything. Some trailers do give away a lot, but this one kind of pivoted and had a lot of deleted scenes end up being in the trailer versus that weren't actually in the film. But no, it surprised me. It was really good, and it had a lot more to say than I thought it would, and it was genuinely scary at certain parts, so Mm -hmm. all accounts a good horror movie. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'd definitely say, like, I agree with Kevin. Like I went
2: into it with like high skepticism. I like in watching the trailers, I thought they gave away the entire movie, and I thought they'd taken it from like what I thought would be a good movie and what I expected from it to um, something that just wasn't going to make any sense, wasn't going to be any good. But I was actually like very surprised at um, whenever I watched it, thought it was excellent, um, just excellent acting, excellent sound mixing, sound design.
1: Excellent um, score. Like, just all around very good. And when Dylan and I saw it in theaters, if you want to know if it's a relatively scary movie, about two-thirds of the way in, he looked over at me and told me he hated me because of how scared he was, so... I'm pretty
2: sure I said, I hate you, fuck you, and then turned back and watched the rest of the movie. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Which doesn't say a lot, because Dylan can't watch horror movies, but... Maybe when we get into spoilers, I want to know what certain section (laughs) that that conversation happened, but... um... Hannah,
3: your thoughts? Yeah, I wasn't able to watch it in theaters. Uh, the weekend that I had planned on going in and seeing it um, was the first weekend that all theaters shut down. So I watched it. <sighs> I watched it on Amazon Prime in my apartment, and it very quickly became one of the best movies that I had ever seen. Um, I yeah, I have a lot of. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on it, so...
0: (laughs) Alright, well, why don't we do a recap just for the basic story, because in the old-time story, it was basically a mad scientist throws together some chemicals and becomes invisible, and then uh, shenanigans, pretty (laughs) (laughs) much. This time, they take a, a... Pretty different um, aspect by telling like a meaningful story, like you mm-hmm. said, Kevin, where it is centered around a control freak and abusive. Uh, it's not really clarified, is it, with a, whether it's their husband and wife, or it's just boyfriend and. Um, I don't know. I, I, I
1: think,
2: think they remember. mentioned that they were married once, but I could be very wrong.
1: Yeah.
3: It was my understanding that they were married, but yeah, I don't think that was really clear and Mm -hmm. it's not it's not a major plot point either way they were they were living together
0: yeah they're living together they're in a relationship and this guy is psycho um and i thought that's what made this movie work really well in the sense of in the opening images so i'm not going to really count this as spoilers other than the first couple minutes before anybody turns invisible but (laughs) the uh the uh Lead character, what's her character's name? Cecilia is uh, trying to escape the house, and she has a camera where she can see um, the bad guy, Adrian, sleeping in bed. But even so, as she goes through the house, there's just this fear in every room or every hallway. Even when there's nothing in that hallway, you're still afraid of him like getting up and then making his way. So setting that up, from the beginning, and then obviously later, that just gets amplified by a hundred once he's actually invisible. Um, is really intense in a lot of this section, so I thought it was, you know, incredible.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that if you were to recap it, um, you kind of look at um, a woman escape, escaping an abusive relationship, and then, um, I guess it's kind of a spoiler what happens to him at the beginning. Um, or what happens after she um, gets away from him. But then throughout the rest of the movie, she has to sort of, you have to figure out if she's dealing with it mentally, um, if what the things going around here are like inside her head, if it's really happening, kind of things like that. And more evidence points towards things really happening. And it just keeps on ramping up on the suspense and everything else. But yeah, yeah. I think, and I think it's interesting as it goes, how the characters around her, um, behave towards her. The more mm-hmm. things they can't see start happening, and the more she starts reacting to them in a very reasonable way to what's happening. But um, yeah, I think it was built really well around that initial tension of just. You can see even when she's getting out of the house at the first part, the camera is pointing towards this negative empty space, mm-hmm. and that sets up for a very brutal, like just edge of your seat, muscles clenched kind of scenes <laughs> where you're just looking for something that you can't see because Invisible Man obviously but it just it holds that line until it can't anymore and then it just lets everything fall out and let it lets it go crazy together
0: yeah I think most of what I really want to say I don't know about you guys but everything's basically going to be in spoilers and I think that's okay this movie's been out for a while We, I think everyone around this table recommends you if you haven't seen it yet go out see it rent it whatever um Anything else, though, just kind of in general terms before we get into spoilers? No. Nope. Uh, I <laughs> There's yeah. not really anything I could say without spoiling it. Right. Exactly. All right, everybody's been warned. Spoilers, let's get into it. Um, so I think the first kind of spoiler is pretty soon after, like, um, Cecilia does escape the house. Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy to watch, but... It's a close call. I, I got very mad at her sister who picks her up when she didn't didn't immediately immediately go she's like in the car they're ready to go she's She's panicked obviously and your thing is to say what's going on no you can have that conversation (laughs) with the car in motion you
2: can drive and then say what's going on Mm -hmm. yeah it that was definitely one of those moments where you're just like sitting there yelling at the screen like (laughs) why are you doing this why can't you just go but like that's something that I will say, like, this movie did an excellent job of, like, the classical horror trope of, like, where should we go? Let's go get in the running car. No, let's go run to the basement. Like, this movie, like, there are, like, three scenes where they have that, like, why, why did you do that? Um, and that she was... She goes in the attic. Which makes mm-hmm. yeah. sense. It makes sense. Like, it makes sense. I, I would have too, but also probably would have, like, alone... And it's just one of those things where, like, they had, like, three of those moments where it was like that, you know, I'm not sure you're, like, actually, like, trying to be productive (laughs) here, but they did a good job of trying to avoid the, like, let's do the obvious wrong choice and tried to make it seem like it was actually something that could happen. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think, well, I think that in horror movies in general, um and I'll throw Kyle under the bus because he's not here. Um, he gets very <laughs> on characters for not making the right move. Um, and I think that if you want it to be believable, which is, I think, was what kind of Dylan is saying, is that they have to react as a real person. would. Well, you're not always going to do the perfect thing. Even movies like Scream handle it perfectly, where they make fun of the girl running up the stairs. There's no escape. And then in the next scene, the girl is running up the stairs because the front door is blocked. So it's like, oh... Yeah. you just have to handle it as it's happening like the sister not driving away yeah maybe just set it for a jump scare and a little more close call kind of thing but it's one of those things where one I'll definitely defend horror movie characters way too quickly <laughs> but it gives them that humanity of like we definitely can't always interact or react best under severe stress I, and... think, I
0: think it's definitely important to actually leave some of those moments in for the audience to mm-hmm. get frustrated and yell at them Yell out a character, so it's, it's certainly not um, a flaw in any way, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> unless it happens way, way too often, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's not the case, right?
3: I think that really sets up uh, her relationship with her sister and that dynamic. I find the dynamic between her and her sister very interesting, um, because I, from, from the very first time her sister appears on screen. You can tell that she doesn't entirely believe Cecilia, and she doesn't, um, or even if she does believe that maybe he is abusive, she certainly thinks that her sister is exaggerating, or that, you know, she doesn't take this as seriously as it is. And I think that very first scene really sets that up. and her sister from the very beginning is one of the primary people who don't take her seriously.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's watching the movie, and again, for like criticizing character choices. Um, the first, I don't know, I think I watched it two or three times. The first time I watched it, I was really frustrated when the sister was shutting out um, Cecilia for like the email that she wrote. Because it's like, why wouldn't you just let her explain that shit? Like, she, like right. you're here, but I think that kind of with what you're saying, it makes sense that um, with her character, like, maybe the background led to her, like, this being, like, a last straw. Like, maybe she's... whatever. Clearly she's not the um, super supportive, super, like, ready-to-be-on-her-side character that she needs. And I think she could be a good stand-in for those type of people in the lives of people who go through that... Um, situation but yeah it's like they're helpful but they're helpful with some
0: pretty strong caveats or you know like yeah (laughs) Yeah. really you're making us do this (laughs) right and it's (laughs) yeah it made it seem
2: like it was like as a character like if you were to like go back in their lives like feels like Cecilia's sister is very much that like I like I don't understand how you think it could be that bad. I mean, look at your house, look at your life. He's rich. He's a billionaire. He's a billionaire, like, tech, he's a billionaire mogul. tech mogul. He, you know, he does all this great stuff. I'm sure he donates to charities. Like so in her eyes, like she's looking at her sister have this perfect life and say, "No, like I don't want this." And she's probably confused by that. Mm-hmm. And like just as a character breakdown. Like that's what it kind of comes across throughout the entire movie is this like you had everything and you're choosing to get rid of it for what? Like, why? And, like, here I am having to, you know, fight for my job and, like, continuously work hard to make sure that I have the life that I want. And it seems like her sister just kind of has that
1: attitude throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Even though she watched her brother-in-law punch a hole through her car window. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> There's that aspect. And... Um... People who are abusers are so good at isolating family members and um, manipulating not only their partners, but also the people around them and the people close to them. And so that's, I mean, that's a tactic of every abuser is uh, isolating their victim. So Mm -hmm. I think... Uh, the email that he sent was likely not the first time he had done something like that. Mm-hmm. And so he had probably been orchestrating things like that and continuously pushing them apart for some time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a pretty good point. Yeah. Um, I was kind of like blown away. I, I try to keep notes as I'm watching these movies so I have things to say, but... <laughs> Even though I was, you know, incredibly, like, I think this villain, this invisible man portrayal is one of the most intense and, like, compelling villains I've seen in a long time for somebody who's, like, not on the screen. Mm -hmm. It's like, the last time something like this happened was probably Jaws, you know, (laughs) where it's, like, just, like, (laughs) something that you don't see very often, but then when you do see it, it's like, bam! And it's got this whole thing around it, but it's just this character even when he's not around you see how well he's ingrained himself inside the head of Cecilia and like um, every little movement I I thought one of the earlier scenes of her just trying to leave the house um, and make it to the the mailbox Mm -hmm. and then a jogger runs by and that's like a panic attack moment just Mm -hmm. because like what if um, was a real strong uh, example of like that kind of mentality.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it gets. I don't know if we've talked about it on, in any of the podcasts yet, but I know I've talked about it. Just the how films, especially horror films, handle mental health. Like if you're looking at a um, sort of, I can't think of the word. Just looking at the how it portrays trauma and like how she just interacts with the world um, by creating a character that you can't see. So then it's just all these other stimuli that sort of create these um, scary moments for us and for her character. It's just a very, it gets like a gold star for me for that for sure. It's (laughs) It's really, it's interesting how if you look at horror movies and movies in general and like you see a theme and kind of what influences that and what doesn't. Like they really built everything to influence this. Um, idea of escaping trauma escaping abusive relationships like the power abusers can have things like that um, I mean even when you look at the um, the brother of I don't know what the um, the guys either any of the names really but if Adrian you look at Adrian's brother yeah if you look at him like he's um, either so ingrained in his own abusive relationship with Adrian that he's been basically set up to be a pawn to die for Adrian or he's equally as abusive and is willing to go along like there's such a there's all these dynamics and stuff but it's all centered around um what's going on with these two characters and yeah like you said it's just a very a really really good villain mm-hmm. to set up for all of it mm-hmm.
0: so if we get to like one of the first kind of important plot points is that he fakes his death um which really builds on everything going forward as one of the reasons why nobody's gonna believe her when all the invisible uh, shenanigans start happening right yeah um, and again that's just like that expert level of manipulation to so again isolate a character so that nobody believes her and I question they don't really clear that up too much we've I certainly believe it because this guy has so much money and and he's intimidating and he's got all kinds of uh, visual equipment so faking his death seems very plausible. But they don't really uh, give a full explanation of that, do they?
2: No, they really don't. They just kind of show like a picture um, of him like dead. Mm-hmm. Um, to Cecilia, yeah. Yeah, to Cecilia. Um, and the brother makes a few comments about like, yeah, well, I've got, like, a
1: jar of ashes that proves he's dead, so he's not alive, kind of thing. Man, then no, that came when, and, um, like, um, well, he's in the room. His <laughs> ashes right back there, and I was like, fuck you, movie. Like, don't yeah. do that to me. <laughs> not this early. That was, like, 22 minutes in. Like, <laughs> yeah,
2: something crazy like that. And, like, she's sitting there, like, I don't know how he's doing it, but tell Adrian he has to stop. And, like, his brother was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I've got to, like, jar of ashes that say he's dead so um, that's his line (laughs) yeah and it's one of those things like the more and more the movie kind of used the brother in that role too because the brother's a lawyer so it'd be easy for the brother to get um, documentations and things like that set Mm -hmm. up and put aside without it being a big issue like they don't really explain it much but they left it open enough to where it's very plausible for this right like for him to
1: fake his own death and it not be any sort of issue yeah yeah i mean because they saw about it they saw it all on the internet like i don't know obviously there's nothing where this has happened before but it's not like the um county like coroner or something going to call them up like hey where's the body like i'm pretty sure it's just like, it's this rich enough family. They were like, oh, they handled it themselves kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they could just throw out whatever and... Yeah. I actually had Yeah, money someone... explains pretty much everything. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. I actually had someone who watched it. I can't remember who, but someone who um, thought that the brother did it all. Mm-hmm. Which I can't imagine a super strong argument for. But, like, believed the whole side thing. we like, oh, he was kidnapped in the basement and the brother went crazy. And all that stuff. And because um, they said they didn't understand the ending because of that, and it was like, well, it's because they were in on yeah, it together. Right. Like, right.
2: like they, they, they were both in on this. They like were we in can't... on it together
3: the whole time. Yeah.
1: But yeah, some, some of those twists can be really. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> let's talk about that because that was probably the, the biggest twist, I think. Um, getting that, like, you thought it was the final showdown, right? And then it's revealed that it wasn't Adrian, it was mm-hmm. his brother who um, was attacking uh, Sydney in the house.
1: Which I have a theory for, but... Well, well, slightly, because... Um, <laughs> I think that they were both there, because there's okay. no way that that scrawny lawyer brother beats the crap out of that, like, 6-2 cop, or in anything, because he was getting... Obviously, he's invisible, so that's more difficult, but that dude was getting destroyed in that mm-hmm. fight. I have a feeling they were both there. Adrian kind of snuck off and did his own thing, and the brother was just wrong place kind of thing. It
0: took too long to get out of the
1: way. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and since he's a psychopath, he was pretty content with just leaving his brother there to Yeah. Yeah. Right. take the fall. It's an interesting theory.
2: Yeah. I'm gonna say, it's one of those things, like, it's difficult to say. I think it was more of, like, because the suit originally, like, the scene before that, um, the suit that he has on has been, like, compromised. It's glitching out because he's been stabbed a few times with a pen. Mm-hmm. So, like, Honestly creates some of the most, like, funs, um, like, that I've seen in, like, a fight where, like, all of a sudden, like, the suit's invisible, but it starts flashing up, like, really right behind visuals. somebody. Really good visuals. Yeah. Very terrifying. <laughs> um, but, like, as that kind of plays out, like, he gets in the car, like, as the scene comes to end, gets in the car, um, and ends up driving away towards the house. I almost feel like he, like, called his brother and said, hey, I need you to go to this house in the suit. Um, Because his suit was malfunctioning. If they were both there, like, it still would have been malfunctioning. He didn't really have time to fix it unless he had another, like,
1: an extra, like, third suit or fourth suit. Well, I think he had multiple because um, Cecilia's character hid the one, Mm -hmm. and that's how she um, won in the end. Yeah. So I wouldn't put it past him to have one laying around that he just scooped up and I just... It doesn't have any weight towards the story at all. Yeah. It's more of just how did this do theory, yeah. <laughs> how did this scrawny dude just beat to nearly to death this this cop. Yeah. yeah.
0: That does bring up a really interesting question though of how many suits, just because I felt even though I was satisfied with the ending, something that bugged me was like, this guy who's so good at controlling everything and is like uh, you know, he's aware of what's going on didn't notice that one of his suits is missing. Albeit that it's an invisible suit, and he hangs it up (laughs) with the
1: the invisible setting turned on,
0: which is maybe not the best way to do it. (laughs) I got this suit. I got them all inventory.
1: But, like, this one, I could just, like, pass through, man. I don't know what's going on. Which I guess, if you think, that's kind of around the time when everything really hit the fan. Like, he just had to fight a bunch of... um, cops and security personnel in this hallway of a, like, psych ward. So, like you said, he got stabbed multiple times. I feel like if we're looking back at the horror movie mistakes, like, he's kind of, um, probably the first time flying by the seat of his pants, and he's, I'm assuming, with how controlling he is, he's very poor in that, um, environment. Like, once chaos starts happening, there is no recovery. Yeah. He just went back to plan D and thought he was fine, and then he was not
0: Although I really enjoyed, like, um, one of the things about that, uh, when his suit's malfunctioning going in and out, that was like so intimidating because it felt like he didn't care whether you saw him Mm -hmm. or didn't, Mm -hmm. like he knew he was getting away yeah, and he could do whatever he wanted. And that's what made it so like, this guy's messed up, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) but a real, real threat. I'm going to say that was just one of the like coolest scenes
2: to watch. Um, one of my favorite parts about it too is like if you listen to it, you can hear like whenever she like turns on the shower, like you can start to hear the clicks as she's like, "You're not gonna get the baby." You hear that, and then whenever she stabs him, you hear the cameras kind of start to malfunction and all of the extra sound involved. That's just my sound nerd coming out because <laughs> that's
1: that's what I do around here. Well, and even earlier in the movie, like with leading up to the first scares, when it's just the cameras panning around the dark house, you hear the sliding glass door open, you hear footsteps on the, Mm -hmm. um, the wood kitchen floor. Like you hear all these little things and even then you're still kind of like, like, you know, he's going to be in that chair and then she throws the blanket and he's not in the chair. And so you're just paranormal activity kind of got away with the like scaring yourself sort of thing where you're like waiting for something to move, waiting for something to happen. But this like just fully ramp that up because you know there's something in the house you just don't know where Mm -hmm. and the characters don't know where and you don't know what they're gonna do because and as you get through more of the movie like Adrian doesn't want her to die um and that's usually one of the main fears of horror movies like oh the protagonist is gonna die but like then you have to kind of think of what's gonna happen or what's gonna be worse or what he's going to do Mm, right it's not just death like there's suddenly way too many possibilities of whatever's gonna happen and it was a lot. The um, the It did do a pretty good job of jump scares versus just more slow burn scares. Mm-hmm. The attic jump scare was ruined for me on Instagram, though. The day I went to see it, it was a little clip, and it just played the clip of her dumping the paint, and I'm still mad about it, <laughs> because he jumped out of his chair, and I knew it was coming. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Well, that was in the trailers, wasn't it? Because
0: that's or at least one of the ones I saw, I thought, which was one of those moments of, like, given too much way in the trailers
2: yeah. I'm gonna say I don't I don't remember what's in the trailers or not but
1: yeah that that moment pissed me off because I was a little too scared <laughs> <laughs> well I remember one moment in the trailer was when she says there's someone sitting in that chair mm-hmm. and I was really interested with how that was gonna happen in the movie and I think it's a deleted scene and I haven't seen it yet because it wasn't in the movie but it's like how is he going to escape this confined space if he's actually sitting in that chair like it was this mm-hmm. very it yeah. felt like it was giving it away, but I was also like, what the hell happens in that scene? Like <laughs> So I'll we'll have to steal your DVD Dylan and check out the deleted scenes on it.
2: I will say I think I think what Kevin like you were talking about with like the biggest scare in like most horror movies is like the character can die. Mm-hmm. I appreciate how they kind of took that and turned it on its head because um, she like one of the things that Cecilia mentioned early on Um, and it's just an excellent way that the movie overall dealt with, like, the, um, abuse and the overcoming of abuse and things like that. And the trauma that she's facing is, um, she said that she had secretly started taking birth control because she knew that if she ever had a kid, that she and the kid would both be trapped. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of those things, like, as, like, she's in the psych ward, um, she finds out that she's pregnant and, like, um... Adrian's brother comes in and says, hey, listen, there's one way that everybody gets out of this. You go back to him and you have the baby. And that, like... It's worse. At (laughs) at this point, like, one, it confirms everything is really happening. There's no, like, this is not a psychotic break. This is not something Mm -hmm. that just she's imagining. This is real, which gives it that terror. But then you throw in the fact that the worst thing here isn't death. It's having to go back yeah Um, and not only having to go back by yourself but introduce a child into that situation too it's something that they played with very well in terms of being able to go out and show that whole traumatic cycle of abuse Um, because you went from like well like the invisible man like he the worst thing he can do is kill her like he just wants to make it look like an accident like that's why Mm -hmm. he hasn't just gone out and stabbed her done this or done that and you find out, no, 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 that's not what he's trying to do. He's trying to get her to submit back into this fearful relationship mm-hmm. and not only do that, but bring something else back with it. Um, that's just something that I found excellent in the writing and um, just how they made it realistically terrifying.
0: I think that's a good setup for how the movie also does a good job of giving Cecilia her you know, heroic arc where... Through the first half of the movie, she's spending so much of her time, you know, reacting, a lot of seeking out help from other people, you know, just trying to be shown that she's not crazy, like she needs somebody on her side, Um, but then, you know, we get to that point of desperation, and, you know, she sneaks a pen and is, like, ready to cut open her wrists, Um, one, I think, mostly just because she knows that he's in there and he can lure him out, but two is, like, she gets to that point, I think where she's ready to die and, like, fight tooth and nail with everything until it just gets squared away and dealt with,
1: you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think I think that the... It's one thing to talk well about an issue in a film, and then it's a, another thing to show, well, someone overcoming the issue. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously it's a movie, and obviously it has very fantastical circumstances to make it possible. Um, but I think that it showed really well, like... That um, her role as a survivor and how resourceful she ended up being and how um, even though he had planned and control everything she seemed like she was always a step enough ahead or prepared enough and um, probably realistically enough through whatever he would put her through like she knew how to deal with him in these certain ways or what he would be doing and things like that. Um, but I think just the way that she was able to take everything, and be stronger, and come out was just a, I wanted to stand up and cheer at the end when she was walking away, like, it just, (laughs) it was really, it was really good, and really, kind of, like, get out, like, is this realistically what happens in the situation? No, but is this what people who exist in the situation deserve? Yes, completely, so let's just love it, and hope it happens, like, in all the good and bad. (laughs)
3: Yeah, the uh the scene that Dylan mentioned where the brother comes to the psych ward and says and essentially confirms everything and gives her this ultimatum is um I feel that that's a real um uh, pivotal point in her uh heroic arc because it's one thing for someone to Say I believe you, you're not crazy. and it's another thing for that to be confirmed to you. Mm-hmm. And I think that really is the point where she goes from very confused and conflicted um, because you know she she knows that she isn't making it up, mm-hmm. but there's always that little, doubt and especially of uh people who've survived years of emotional abuse uh there's always that that seed of doubt but when it's confirmed i i think that that's really the moment that she decided okay i'm not i'm not gonna lay down and take it
1: yeah yeah i think i think leading up you see her like basically gaslit by the world around her, Mm -hmm. like, even the stuff she knows is real is not going to be believed because, I mean, even as the, as an objective audience member, she's saying that Invisible Man is trying to, like, is walking around following her and stuff. Like, it sounds Mm -hmm. very difficult to believe. I mean, if you look a little bit into it and, like, figure out that he's leading the entire, he was leading the entire world in optics, like, that gives a little bit more, like, oh, that could happen, but, um, I think that, like you said, that's the moment where she's able to overcome even that personal doubt of, like, because I feel like it's always there, especially for a character when she's in a psych ward. Like, right. this could just be me being crazy. Like, even as he talks to her, like, even then, it may just be, it may be able to be talked out of her brain kind of sort of thing. And so, the brother doing that and ramping up the reality of it, and then that's where the director went really, really well done action movie with it and I want one of the robotic cameras that they have because it's the coolest thing I've ever seen um, which is actually how they did the green screen things the first time that he, she was getting thrown around the um, apartment mm-hmm. was they you basically program this camera to follow the same exact pattern every single time it goes somewhere and so you have it go through all those patterns and then you have someone with a in a green suit throw the stunt double around and then it's really easy to take the green suit out because you already have the normal background behind everything, and technology's cool with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's truly amazing, some of the shots. Like, because I
0: saw... I didn't watch it, but I um, saw Hollow Man was, like, on Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. so I kind of just watched the trailer to see how it compared. And it's like, yeah, some of those uh, moments of the invisible stuff now just look hokey. <laughs> I mean... Who's to say maybe in a couple of years we'll say the same thing about Invisible Man, but I don't think there's really that much to say because so much of it is just, like, shooting a room mm-hmm. and, like, the audience does the work,
1: yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting, like, thinking of how much farther technology can go from where it's at. Mm-hmm. Like, The Mandalorian, they just built an entire set right. made up of flat screen TVs that show the world behind you on a sound stage and it's like what the hell else are we going to invent to mm. like how are you going to make a better invisible villain than mm. the invisible man when you have your robotic arm taking the camera exactly to the centimeter where it's supposed to go like they'll find a way I'm sure <laughs> the next thing you're just gonna have to make an invisible <laughs> man like, yeah. yeah well that's it right there yeah uh yeah
0: um I don't know if we said so specifically, but yeah, cool
1: um, design for the the suit. Yeah. Uh, particularly. Yeah, that was really creative. I don't know if any of you guys have seen or we watched it, Dylan. Um, Lee won first movie, Upgrade, which really dealt with AI a lot. Yeah. Um, I remember that. Which was shot the same way with like a robotic arm. It's a um, a man gets um, um, paralyzed in a car accident and then is given the opportunity to. Walk and move around again through this experimental AI technology that can take over your muscles and limbs and everything and make them work. And he tries to get revenge on the person who paralyzed him and then finds out that the AI can, like, just kick ass and, like, in this very robotic, very calculated kind of way. Mm. And um, I think it's interesting how. If you look at the other, like, universal adapted, like, the new Mommy with Tom Cruise, which, admittedly, I didn't watch, but did not look very original. Um, This one, they really let it be evolved. They let it adapt to 2020 and let it be, like, what would be scary if this were to happen now? Like, it's not just, like you said, a crazy doctor doing shenanigans, like, dancing around in front of people and taking the um, ribbons off, but they really... It's interesting how he looks at technology and stuff and at least in a cool enough way that's not just like oh technology bad like it's <laughs>
2: yeah well and I think that's one of the things like they like they obviously showcase like the technology and the deal of the advancements but it's one of those things where they don't just throw like yeah all technology is bad out there like it right. like they actually like try to like yeah no like this is just something that in the wrong hands somebody decided to do something that they shouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of leads its way to that. And I I do appreciate that because there are a lot of movies out there that are just like, yeah, technology is advancing and it's going to kill us all. <laughs> and, yep, that's it. Like, we got to stop or we're all going to die. And I appreciate how they kind of took that um, and kind of led away from that. Like, it's not like this is something that's um, being mass-produced or that is going out mm-hmm. to the majority. Like, it's somebody who in the most ideal circumstances for them was able to do something that nobody else could have ever thought of doing. Yeah. Um, and it kind of keeps that, like, idea that, like, we can still advance technology, but we just have to kind of be cautious with it.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, even an Upgrade, the kind of the... the what well, You're left with Upgrade, thinking, like, oh, technology's bad. Like, don't do AI. Mm-hmm. But like you said in this one, like, you can say it's bad, but then in the right hands it... Kills the bad guy and frees the hero, like, all in the best throat-cutting scene of any movie I've ever seen. Like, (laughs) it was just... Best throat-cutting, yeah. Yep, that's my award for the movie. (laughs) I'm gonna say that there there were, like... Best visual effects and best sound, (laughs) and...
2: I'm gonna say there were two scenes where, like, the throat-cutting came into play, but...
1: The first one was terrifying.
2: Nothing... Oh, my God. Nothing really is better than the first one, where... Cecile and her sister are out to dinner, and Cecile's like, hey, listen, I know that you think I'm crazy. Please don't think I'm crazy. I understand that things haven't been great between us, but I need you to believe me.
1: And it seems like she's about to. And
2: she's, like, leaning into this conversation of, like, okay, I'm listening. And all of a sudden, she gets this, like, very confused look on her face, and there's a knife just beside Cecile, and she doesn't know. And all of a sudden, this knife goes up, slits her throat, and Cecile's hand gets grabbed into the knife. And she's just standing, sitting there like, wait, hang on, what? I'm holding a knife, and she is dying. What just happened? And it really, like, everybody in the restaurant starts noticing Cecile's just holding this bloody knife while this other girl is dying. And it's just, ugh. It was an excellent scene. I don't... Like, I don't imagine there being any other perfect way to set up putting somebody in a mental institution of, like, yes, she went crazy, and yes, she has gone off the deep end and she just believes these crazy things, because the scene following that is her getting taken into the psych institution, and she's screaming, no, he's chasing me, he's here, I see you, I see you, I see you, and... The doctors are like yeah yeah uh-huh we we've, we've seen this before like we we know when somebody's like gone off the deep end we know when somebody's dealing with like a severe mental illness like that that's all this is and like she's not wrong like he's standing over in the corner of the room and she may not be able to actually see him but she's saying like i see you i know you're there and i think that's just one of the coolest scenes and like the coolest lead-ups into the transition from like, normal living into the psych ward and, like, reasons why. Like, I just think that was an excellent, well-put scene. And if if you think I'm wrong, then you're wrong. And you, you can just, I don't know, find an invisible man, I guess.
1: Well, and it's interesting, like, just to jump off that a little bit, how towards the end she knows when he's somewhere. Like, whether it's she's become attuned to the noise, like, whether it's just the presence. Like, she... damn near could point to spot he's standing in and he would be there like Mm -hmm. just and I don't know if that's more of a testament to like how um people in that situation would have to survive that situation like being so hyper aware or if it's just like she's that's all she can think about because that's all that's going into the situation but it's very and you I feel like the audience you can almost like you know where he is like when you're there in the holding room and the cops like oh i'm trying like just let me help you tell me what's going on so like i can't tell you he's in the room and you're like oh he's probably like right back there like yeah like he's probably standing right
2: behind the detectives mm-hmm. like yeah, the
0: the uh, the camera does a great job cuz you know a lot of the times it's that panning motion and then it settles on nothing and we're we're trained to expect something to be there mm-hmm. but i think i love i don't, can't remember where i heard this but the director had said that um, He's not always where you think he is, Mm -hmm. and only he knows, you know, (laughs) where those shots are. And I, I, watching it, thought it would be interesting, like, in the moment where she's getting, you know, sedated, uh, that actually he might not be there. And so that even though she's so desperate in this situation, she could be literally in this, you know... They could be right to be like, calm down (laughs) because he's not in here. But, you know, it's that thing she doesn't know for sure, neither does the audience, and that's terrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, So let's just do uh, final thoughts. Anybody? um, General, we already said it's amazing in a lot of different (laughs) ways. If if you enjoy horror movies, or even if you don't, you should watch it. Um, But, yeah. Anybody?
3: So um, I went into it excited but a little bit skeptical um of how how well that it was going to be done um I spent three years in southern Indiana working with survivors of domestic violence so that was you know that was my job when I sat down and watched that movie so part of me was like okay, I'm excited, and I like this thriller genre, but how well is this going to be portrayed? And all but one minor thing was absolutely spot on, and it was... um, I mean, I, I think I even told Dylan that if... if some of my clients' abusers had this ability they would do it. And, you know, I, this isn't incredibly far-fetched for someone who is obsessed with power and control. Mm-hmm. So I, I really, really enjoyed it. And like I said, except for one minor thing that only people who work in this field noticed, <laughs> um, was, yeah, it was, it was incredible.
1: Well, I'm curious what the one minor thing is. Yeah.
3: <laughs> when he is chasing her around the house and she goes into the kitchen, she would not have gone into the kitchen. Mm-hmm. There are knives there. <laughs> no, enough. no uh, DV victim running from their abuser goes into the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. That, that was it. That was yeah. nothing.
2: <laughs> I'm going to say, um, I just, if you can't tell by now, I think it's an excellent movie. Uh, the sound design on it is phenomenal. The cinematography is excellent. The use of negative space is excellent. But I think my favorite part when, like, surrounding this movie is Hannah was watching it for the first time. And I just was texting her, like, hey, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm watching Invisible Man. And I just sent surprise as he said the line. <laughs> oh like, she sent me back a message and just said, he just said, surprise, how did you know? I hate you. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't. And it just, it was a great chance. But I think that was probably the moment when I looked at Kevin and said, hey, I hate you. Fuck off. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> just, and just the way that everything around that is set up and just the way that, like, they were like, oh, yeah, like, we're just going to include this surprise. Like, it's meant as... Like, something that's not just a throwaway, but is something that is genuine enough of, like, ha, surprise, I got you, like, I'm in control here. Um, And they use it in that way. It's not just, like, a jump scare to the audience or just a, like, we're gonna make you feel a little freaky. Like, it really does add, like, a lot to, like, that terror that Cecilia's feeling. So, probably my last, (laughs) my
1: last plug for it. Yeah, yeah, I think it is the... um and I'm sure, well, there are others too that I can think of, but it is one of the line of um, horror movies that look at social issues and sort of give the um, victim in the situation power over it, kind of like Get Out. um, Another one that comes to my mind is um, Revenge, which I think also came out in 2017. Um, But just there's this horror has always said something about what's going on. Original Godzilla was a lot about, like, the threat of nuclear war. Like, Night of the Living Dead had, other than just one of the first movies ever to have a um, black lead, just kind of this um, fear of, like, the isolation and things. I think it was the late 60s, so it was before the... um, Or actually right in the middle of the Cold War and the space race and stuff, so just the probably more nuclear ties with that sort of thing. But there's always, it's interesting to me when horror fans like criticize, like get out or invisible man for like, not just being a scary movie. Scary movies have always had shit to say about stuff, Mm -hmm. but I like these very, like you can't ignore like what we're telling you what's going on. Like you have to think about it. You have to deal with it. Um, And I think that um, in the same way that get out No matter who you are, you're rooting for the protagonist to kill this whole white family and escape. No matter who you are going to Invisible Man, you're rooting for her to kill her abuser and escape. Like there's this horror movies puts you in such drastic situations with the protagonist that you just want them to succeed and want them to live through it and everything. And it's I think it's a really powerful cinematic tool to use horror movies in that sort of way. And I just want to see so many more in this little sub-sub-sub-genre go. <laughs> but, yeah, it was a definitely a really good entry into that. And just, even if you strip everything away, super fun, super scary. Like, there's... Yeah, like we've said a hundred times, it's great. <laughs> yeah. um,
0: I think this was a great movie to, to lead into our uh, episode that's going to happen uh, further into the week. We're going to be doing remakes. And this is one of those situations where it's proof that a remake can be good it's proof that you know you can take something and then have a good story if you focus first on like the characters like you said we we are sympathetic for the character we're terrified of the villain and they're all realistic you know they they mm-hmm. feel so real and you you do all that first as like the the foundation of your story and then you just put in the fact that he's also invisible and you know if you did that with uh, all the other monster movies you know you would have Better quality than mm-hmm. what we're getting in a lot of the cases, but this movie does a very good job of giving us an invisible man, but giving us a story that mm-hmm. is um, really powerful.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think the most important thing is the story and having uh, having an idea of what story you're going to tell, and you know, kind of like Kevin said, like looking at social issues or. You know, um, just having a good story to tell is the foundation for a good remake. And not that I'm going to get into remakes. But, <laughs> but yeah, um, having having a story you want to tell is the most important thing.
0: Great. Okay, um, so before we wrap up, I am excited to share... Um, we had a group member uh, or somebody join our Facebook group and had a comment about uh, how do we build... An audience um, when you're starting out. I think that's a great question and something that we're obviously trying to figure out ourselves. (laughs) Um, It's definitely something we could probably do a whole episode on. But just um, for a short, you know, five minutes, uh, do we have any real suggestions? I think content is the most important thing. And if you want to go back, or if you haven't already listened to our episode getting started, we talk a lot about um, going out and just making something because building the content, getting better at what you're doing, that's going to be, you know, I don't know how much, 50% of the work, 80% of the work is just getting that stuff done so that you can show it to an audience. The other part, the distribution of that content, (laughs) that's a little bit more up in the air. There's so many options out there. I know it can be daunting because we've looked into um, a few different options and we're still playing around with what works and what doesn't. Um, But I think the thing for me... as advice that I can give out is basically just come from a place of um, if you're trying to network, you know, and and do all these things, it's it should be because you want to, right? Where Mm -hmm. you're going to make these connections with people because you value their input. You're not always just trying to sell them on something, which we're not trying to do here. We're trying to hopefully have a fun conversation and, you know, learn as much from the audience as they can learn from us. We're happy to hear from anybody. Um, and if you have that sort of mentality when you go out, whether it's, you know, searching the web for different groups that have uh, similar interests or, you know, a topic that you want to talk about, go find people who are already talking about it and start a conversation. Or, you know, it's how it works, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I would say definitely,
2: like, in terms of, like, trying to get your content out there, trying to get an audience base, the best thing you can do is push it, push it, push it, push <laughs> it, push it. Get your friends involved, get them to push it. Um, if you get a good group of friends together that are all interested in things and they're willing to help you out, get them involved in your projects and that will get them more interested in pushing the idea and like promoting it, um, sharing it on Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Um, if you're looking for like a specific like thing Like for podcasts, for example, we use um, anchor.com or .fm or whatever it is. Um, It's an excellent site um, for podcasts and things like that to help you kind of get started and get everything published on multiple platforms at once. Um, If you're looking at doing films and stuff, um, Vimeo, uploading it there, YouTube, and then sharing it on Facebook, sharing it on Twitter, and trying to push it into that as much as you can. Following on Twitter um, for our podcast group, I follow. I went through and followed a bunch of different, um, either filmmakers or film producers um, and things like that. Just like those smaller competitions or festivals, and um, you'd be surprised at how many of them are willing to follow you back because you followed them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just trying to find those like-minded people as you and trying to get them at least to see your content. Um, and then as they see it, they might be interested in it. They might dive into it. They might start sharing it. So just trying to push as much of your
1: content towards other people as you can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, I am a very optimistic person and very much, um, fighting against systems kind of thing. But as much as you can look at like the different systems set up, like just entertainment in general, um, making it good is the best way to get it a big audience for it um, and like I said there's different things that you can hit some places lucky you can go these certain avenues and stuff but something that's good enough to have a large audience won't be ignored like it'll find that way um, but also working until you can make something good enough to find that big audience for it um, I think that a lot of times as creatives we expect to just whatever's in our head to come out in this perfect way and to take off and go viral or make the right connections or something, and um, usually it doesn't. Yeah. And like Mason said, you have to love it to keep doing that because that's not the point. Right. But the more you work, in theory, the more you work, <laughs> the more you develop it, the more you find those connections, um, and the better you make something, the easier it will be to find that audience. and sort of cultivate that from there. Right. I uh, definitely just
0: want to say uh, don't get disheartened if you have uh, lower than what you might want as viewership. Um, it's just going to be that building your content, getting familiar with people, um, and getting better at what you do. Like Kevin said, once it's that high quality stuff, people are going to share it. They're going to talk about it. So just keep uh, making things and just do it. Okay. Now, uh, if you want to get in contact with us, we are Sit Down For Real on Facebook, Twitter, and Gmail. We appreciate your support and definitely want to hear from you. Uh, I want to thank everybody in our BTB Films crew uh, for helping out the podcast whenever they can. Thanks to Dylan for taking care of all of our audio work. And thanks to all my guests today, including Dylan again. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you for listening. Extra thanks to those who like, subscribe, and leave a nice review wherever you find us. It means a lot. Thanks for listening. We'll save your spot till next time. Goodbye. Okay, on to the next one. (laughs) You're still here. Thanks for hanging out with us while we talk movies. But now we want to hear from you. If you have a comment, send it our way. Did we forget something or make a mistake? Call us out on it. Do you have a movie you really want us to review? Let us know what it is, and we'll get to it. Whether you have a question about filmmaking process or just want to know who we think would win in a fight between all the film characters of Martin Scorsese versus the characters of Quentin Tarantino, you ask us whatever you like, and we'll do our best to figure it out. So once more, we are Sit Down For Real, R-E-E-L, on Twitter, Gmail, Facebook. Your support means everything to us. Thanks for listening.